Many people have hang-ups when it comes to God. They have hang-ups when it comes to, to knowing God. For example, many people distrust God. They don't trust God. They don't believe that God keeps his word. They don't believe that God will come through for them. They believe based upon the circumstances of their life, maybe God has somehow forgot about them. But the fact is, is that people distrust God because they don't know him. People distrust God or have false ideas about him because they don't know him. They may know about him or what they think they know of him, but they really don't, don't know him. Uh, we have preconceived ideas about God based upon our life experience. We have preconceived ideas about God based upon our experience with people. Um, many people have, have experienced fatherlessness. We saw this throughout the Dominican Republic. Every village, every place that we went, there were no dads around. And maybe you experienced no dad growing up or an abusive father or something like that. And it gave you this warped idea about who God really is. And when you don't know who God is, it it leads, I know this by experience, it leads to a feeling of deep emptiness. It leads to a feeling of purposelessness, you know. When you don't know who God is, you don't know who you are. And you wonder what's life really about. But here's the beauty. According to Jesus, we can know God and we can know the meaning and purpose of life. Look at the scripture found in John 17, 3. Jesus said this. He said, now this is eternal life. He's praying to his father. He says, this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So today, that verse is kind of setting the tone for the next several weeks in our new series, Knowing God. We're going to look at who God is from the scriptures and get to know him better. I, don't, I can't think of a more important way to start off the new year than, to getting to, than getting to know God better. And there's a difference between knowing God and knowing about God. We can know about somebody but not really know him. Let me give you an illustration. Um, we'll do a little classroom here. Uh, tell me something that you know since it's Bronco Sunday. Tell me something you know about Peyton Manning. He's tall. Papa John's. He's the number 18. He's 37. He went to Tennessee. He had neck surgery. Uh, makes really cool commercials. Um, he's funny, right? Here's the reality. Tell me his kids' names. How many have ever had a conversation with Peyton Manning? How many... Well, good job. How many have... So you one-upped us there. Uh, how many know his pain emotionally? How many have ever, you know, had him pray for you or something, you know? I, and my point is, is we, from a distance, know a lot about him. We don't know him. We may have said hi to him. But other than that, we really don't, don't know him. And there's a difference between knowing and knowing about Here's what I know to be true. God wants everybody in this room to know him. God wants you to know his attributes, which are things about him that are only true of him. And we're going to look at some of those over the next several weeks. He wants you to know his character. 
He wants to be close with you and you to be close with him. Today we're going to look at one of his attributes, the, the things that are only true of God. And it's found in Romans eleven thirty three through 36. It says this, it says, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. The depth and wisdom of the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. So what we, we call these attributes of God, these, these things that are only true of God, we, we use the word omni. And the word omni means all. God is, is all that. He is all that. He's all knowing. Today we're going to look at his omniscience. And that's a big word for this. God knows everything. He knows the beginning to the end. He already knows it. He's all knowing. There's nothing that he does not know about. Let that sink in a little bit. Let me give you some, some truths about this, about God. First of all, God knows everything about himself. He knows everything about himself. 1 Corinthians 2.11 says that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, knows the mind of God and searches the mind of God. In, in God, as we were singing in the second song that Grant led us in, the old hymn, that there's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We have one God who is revealed in three persons. There's not three gods. There's one God, but there's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And from eternity past, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have lived in perfect relationship with each other. Jesus, God the Son, came into the world, as we just celebrated at Christmas, to live but to die and to be raised from the dead to be our Savior and to be our Lord. The Holy Spirit knows the mind of God, so he knows everything about himself. God knows everything about creation. He spoke, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He spoke and boom, it came into be, into existence. You scientific gurus, you people who know the stars and the universe, know how vast the universe, the things that we know and see by the Hubble telescope and the billions and billions of stars. Scripture says God knows them by name. He named them. He knows each one of them. He knows everything about his creation. In Genesis 1.31, it says that at the end of, of creation, he said it was good. He called everything good. He knows everything about his creation. Then he knows everything about history as well. It says in the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul says, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. He does not live in temples built by human hands, and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. So he knows everything about history. Nothing has got past him. Here's where I want to go today. He knows everything about you and me. He knows everything about you and me. If you're on our email list, you got an email from Mark that said your homework for today was to read Psalm 139. I won't ask who all did their homework, but uh, you would get a little star by your name. Maybe a cookie after, after church or something. But Psalm 139 is 
is how intimately God knows each one of us. And I'm going to break that down over the, 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 the points that I want to make this morning. As we get to know God, we need to know that God knows us. We need to know everything that God already knows about you and me. Many people distrust God because they don't know him and they don't know what he already knows. And if we know what God knows, we can begin to trust him. We can trust him with the little things and the big things in our life. Many people think that, that God is some distant deity, far away, that he wound up the clock of, of creation. They, they, they give God enough to say, yeah, he created things, but he's disinterested. He doesn't care. He's not a personal God. That's the farthest thing from what scripture reveals about who God is. He's a personal God, and he wants us to be personal with him. He sent Jesus so that we could come and know him. He wants to have intimacy with us. The coolest definition of intimacy I ever heard, a preacher one time said that intimacy is this, where you open your heart and you say, into me see. Into me see. If you're a married couple, you're striving for intimacy. And that intimacy is ultimately, boom, man, here's my, here's my dreams, my hopes, my struggles, and you lay it out to each other, knowing that you're going to love one another and care for one another. God, how much more who already knows these things about us wants that intimacy. Listen, today in this room, everybody has a longing. I know about it. It's, it's in the scripture. We find it. You have a longing to know God and to be known by God. He created you with that longing. And many of us are trying to... Get that void and longing filled by stuff, by relationships, sex, money, whatever it is. We're trying to see what else we can do to satisfy that longing. I'm telling you, the answer to what you're longing for is what we're talking about today. That you would know that God already knows everything about you and loves you and that you can know him. So let's open this up a little bit. I'm going to give you a truth and a response. The first truth is this. God knows all my frailties. He knows all your frailties. Psalm 139, verse 3. You are familiar with all my ways. That means he knows all our limitations. He knows all our weaknesses. And yet he loves us deeply. He has compassion on us. He has compassion on us. He's a perfect father. Many in this room hurt today. I've talked to you. You've shared with others. You have pain. You have struggles. You, you recognize your frailties. And, and when we hurt on the inside emotionally and, and even physically, sometimes we, we feel isolated. How many know what I'm talking about? We feel isolated. And we make this statement, maybe even under our breath, or we say it to somebody else, and we say, man, nobody understands. Nobody knows what I'm going through. Nobody gets it. God does. God knows what you're going through. He hasn't left you. He hasn't forsaken you. And here's something that you can hang your hat on. Jesus has experienced your hurts and beyond. He is a compassionate Savior. He experienced our worst nightmares when he was betrayed, humiliated, uh, forsaken, 
beaten brutally, all the things that he went through, he knows. He, we have an empathetic, sympathetic Savior who is compassionate for us. Psalm 103 says it like this. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows what we are made of, remembering that we are dust. If you fear the Lord today, that's true of you. He has compassion on you. How huge is his compassion for those who fear him? Here's good news. God's not mad at you. He's not frustrated with you. We often project that God's mad at us and frustrated with us. Why? Because we get mad and frustrated with each other. We hurt each other's feelings or somebody doesn't cooperate with us or they don't do what we ask of them. And what do we do? We get mad. We talk about them behind their back. We get frustrated. And, and then we project, that must be how God feels with you and me. You following what I'm saying? That's important that we get that. That's not how God does it. That's not how he rolls. <laughs> he, he does not do that to his kids. Instead of being frustrated with us or mad at us, here's good news. He's transforming us. Better yet, or, or maybe, not, maybe not better yet, but to pre, even preceding the transforming, he's pursuing. God's pursuing you and me on a daily basis. He's, he's pursuing us with the Holy Spirit. He's challenging us, convicting us, moving in our lives, showing his love, giving us his peace constantly. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. How long? All the days of our lives and into eternity. Knowing that God has compassion on me should make me, should make you less judgmental of those around you. That should be a truth that transforms your life. If God has compassion on you and knows your frailties and knows you are mere dust, made from dust, how much more compassionate should we be and less judgmental? If he treats my frailties with compassion, I should do the same with others. Would you do that with me? When I fail you, when you see my frailties, would you please have compassion? I'll do the same for you and let's do that for one to another and we'll be a model of what God is like in community. So what should our response be to this truth that God knows all my frailties? It's this, be secure in God's love for you and his love for me. Be secure in his love. He loves you with your frailties, right where you're at. It says in Romans 8, 38, 39, it says, Paul said, And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below indeed nothing in all creation will, will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord wow that's that's a stand up and shout wave your hanky jump up and down verse there we've been in the Dominican they show a little more emotion than we do here we're like amen all right that's good stuff there good stuff I believe it They'd be having a party right now. Anyway, man, all right, just kidding. God loves us unconditionally. He loves you unconditionally, but here's, here's the, the caveat. He loves you too much to let you stay the same. He loves you just as you are. He's not going to let you stay the same. He's going to keep pursuing and transforming you. 
That's good love. That's true love. To, to, to love us where we're at, but to change us. If you want to be personal with God, if you want to make it personal in knowing him, remember that he knows your frailties. Now, as I go into my next point here, I want to ask you a question. Do you ever act as if God doesn't see everything? God doesn't see this, does he? Just hurry, turn. Hey, God, what's going on? Hey, good. Right, like he didn't see that. Do you ever wonder if God really sees everything? Here's the truth. God knows and sees everything in full view. God knows and sees what no one else knows and sees. He knows and sees when no one else knows and sees. Psalm 139 verse 7, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I go from your presence? Reputation is what you think about me. It's what we think about each other. It's what we think of others. It's what other people think of you. Character is who we are when no one's looking. Reputation is what we think of each other. Character is, in a sense, who we really are. In other words, character is what God only knows and sees about us. (laughs) Right? God knows and sees when nobody else knows and sees. But that's not just negative. We could dwell on the negative part there. But there's a positive side to that. Every time you and I do the right thing, God is watching. Parents, have you ever seen your your kids, whether they're little or big, do the right thing and they didn't know you were looking? How good does that make you feel as a parent? You're proud in that moment. Well, God's watching and seeing. Scripture says he's writing it down. He's writing it down. When no one else saw your good deed, when no one else saw what you did, God's writing it down. He sees when no one else knows and sees, no matter how small or insignificant. I heard that it snowed while we were suffering for Jesus in 85-degree weather. Is that true? I thought about you a couple times. I thought about you a lot. I didn't think about the snow, to be honest with you. But I know somebody in this room. You have a neighbor that kind of bugs you. But you shoveled their walk because the Spirit said, shovel their front porch, shovel their driveway, shovel their walk. Now some of you are going, I heard that voice and I didn't do it. Dang it, now he's, was he watching me? What's going on here? No, but the Lord knows. And so when you have a prompting in your heart to do something good, do it. He saw you shovel that person's snow. When we were in the Dominican Republic, one day we went to an old folks home and there was this room full of people in wheelchairs, they were blind, they were so cute man, they, were little, they didn't understand a word we said to try to have some conversations with people and I think only one person really spoke English, but you do your best right and we just love supersedes language sometimes and we were able to just show love to people and uh, there was this blind man, he was, he was kind of in a wheelchair, and I didn't realize that he was fully blind, to be honest with you. I'm a little slow. And uh, we, were, we, had, we brought grapes and apples and cake. That's what they, in the DR, they celebrate what they call the Three Kings Day. And so they don't open their presents on Christmas Day. They wait till January 6th, and they call it Three Kings Day that the kings brought presents to Jesus. I don't know, it's a cultural thing. I'd be bumming if I was a kid there. But anyway, um, 
So they eat apples and grapes as a Christmas food, and we brought some cake. And so I, I brought this guy round two of his apples and grapes and cake. And he took the bowl, and he, he started like, putting it in his mouth like he thought it was, had, you know, like, you know, you chug your cereal, the milk at the end, right? How many do that? You know what I'm talking about. So he had the bowl, and, and I was like, is he trying to see what's in there? Again, I'm a little slow. And so he... All of a sudden, the grapes hit him in the face, and the piece of cake hit him. And I'm like, oh, he wants something to drink. He's thirsty. Idiot. Oh, man, I'm so stupid. No. And so I was trying to find some water for him, and we, we hadn't had any water yet. And the, when we walked in, they said, don't drink the water here. We won't drink the water. That's thank you for reminding us of that. And so we were trying to find some water. And in the meantime, Missy Whitmire had found some water. And I was over on the other side of the room and I'm going to try to do this without crying because it, it impacted me. She brought this man, a blind man, a cup of cold water. And uh, I don't know, it just hit me that the words of Jesus said, if you bring somebody a cup of cold water in my name, you're going to be rewarded for that. It hit me, and I walked over to Missy, and I was like, you fulfilled. I couldn't get it out, man. We were at a moment there, but it, it really it touched my soul. And he was drinking that water, and I thought, man, God, he recorded that in heaven. She brought him a cup of cold water in Jesus' name. So how do we respond to this truth that God sees everything in full view? I'll tell you this. Be faithful no matter the cost. Be faithful no matter the cost. It says in Hebrews 4.13, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Live for the approval of God. Live for the audience of one. Live that God is watching your life. Whether anybody else sees anything, he sees it. He sees those little faithful things that you do. One day we're all going to stand before God. And we're going to give an account for our life. If you're in Christ, Jesus died for your sins. So it's not a, it's not a judgment of your sins. It, those who are outside of Christ, they're going to be judged. Either Christ was judged in your place or you'll be judged. That's, that's the nuts and bolts there, so... I'm going with him. I want him to be judged in my place. But Jesus also promised that those that are his followers will be rewarded for the things that we did in his power and for his glory. That we'll, and that living for rewards, listen, is a good thing. It's a noble thing. If God promises to reward us in eternity, then living and being faithful to him, knowing that he's watching and seeing and recording, is a good thing. It's noble. We know this. Flesh, this flesh, it wants to be recognized by others. We want people to say, I saw that. Good job. Way to go. Good job. Good job. I saw, you know, we, we want to be recognized by others. But the Spirit of God that lives on the inside of a believer longs for God's approval and recognition in eternity and doesn't worry about what happens in this life, whether somebody sees or not. So be faithful no matter what. Another truth I want to give you. This is what God knows about you. God knows all my failures. He knows all my failures. I don't know about you, 
But there are just some things I would rather not God know about me. How many relate? But the reality is God knows those thoughts, those words, those actions. All my failures are are before him. And the reality is I don't have any secrets with God. We may have secrets with each other, but we don't have secrets when it comes to God. He already knows everything. He knows our secrets. He knows everything. Psalm 139 says, If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light will become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. You know what one of the devil's biggest temptations is? He, he will tell you this. Tell me if you've ever heard this voice. No one will know. Anybody ever heard that voice? Raising both hands and both feet. What he does, he says, no one will ever know. No one will see. Go ahead. Just take it. Do it. Say it. No one will know. Come on. I'm in this. I got your back. As soon as you do it, what does he do? Ah, I, I knew you were one of those kind of Christians. You're a phony. You're a fake. You did it. See, I saw it. Boom, boom. Condemnation, 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 and shame. All the while, God already knows. So the devil tempts us, no one will know. Then he says, ah, I condemn you now. And then we run from God and we hide and we try to cover up from God. The most miserable people I know on the planet are the people who know God but are running from him. You know, they're running around like, la, 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 God doesn't see me. La, 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 hide in the bush. I can't hear him. And I'm going to act like he doesn't see me and turn my back. And is he there? Yeah. No, he's there. He's everywhere. And so we try to pretend like he doesn't see. That person is miserable. I remember one time, well, I'm not even going to tell that story. I was going to tell it, and I won't. Now I'll save it for a different day. Okay, I'll tell it. You pulled it out of me. That really was a, it's not that exciting, to be honest with you. But as I was, I put a little note on my notes, do I say this or not? And I, I'm one of those verbal processors I process to outwardly so anyway I remember one time when I was young I'm old now kids don't ever do this don't ever do this right parents elbow your kids don't ever do this but my parents were out of town and I threw a party and my brother was a Christian Mike and I wasn't a Christian and Mike I didn't know that my parents had told Mike to swing by the house while they were out of town. Kelly, you were probably at the party. But um, we, me and Kelly went to high school together. But I remember I, I heard, your brother's here. Oh, no. So I hid in the bushes. <laughs> I hid in the bushes and let him clear out the party. And then, is it safe? And I came out and he was gone. And there was like, I had a handful of friends left. And I thought about that when I thought about Adam in the garden. He had sinned, and he went and hid in the bushes, like, God's not going to see me, you know. And, and he, he was filled with all that shame. And he hid from God. God's, all our, all our failures are before God. He knows. So what should our response be to this truth? You know, it's a good thing I told that story because my mom and dad aren't here today. That's what it was. I wrote, if mom and dad aren't here, no. 
The response to this truth is this. Be honest with God and admit my failures to him. Be honest with him and admit your failures to him. It says in Psalm 69, 5, O God, you know how foolish I am. My sins cannot be hidden from you. Did you know that when you confess your sins to God, he doesn't go, what? You did what? I, I had no idea. You little, you're grounded, you know. Kids, our kids admit things to us and we have to get it out of them. And we, we think that somehow God doesn't see. He's never caught off guard or shocked. He knows all. As we prayed earlier in the service, give it to him today. says this, look at this promise in 1 John 1, 8 and 9. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. Wow. Because of Jesus and his sacrifice and his work on the cross, God's faithful and just to forgive us. God's love is unconditional for us. We're in relationship with him. He doesn't hold a grudge or keep score. Have you ever thought about this? So why do we confess our sins? If God already knows anything, why confess? Is God up there with going, okay, Scott, go ahead, tell me all. Yep, you lied, you did this, you did this. And then I'm done, and then he goes, there's several more you failed to tell me about. Uh, you know, it, confession is not for God. It's for us. It cleanses us when we release it to God and we admit it and say, God, I blew it. God, I shouldn't have said that. God, if I could go back in time and do that over again, I, would, I don't want to do that. That's the mark of repentance. Is when you look at something and say, I wish if I had it to do over again, I wouldn't do that. That's a mark that, you, 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 that the Spirit's working in you. So confession is for you. You want to get personal with God, admit your failures to him, and then ask him for strength to turn away from that, to walk in the spirit, to walk in the new life. Here's another truth. God knows my future. God knows your future. Psalm 139, 16, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. I wrote this down. God sees my tomorrow today. God sees your tomorrow today. We have babies that are being born. We have babies that are in the womb right now in this, in this room. God already knows what their life is going to be like. He already knows how it's all going to play out. People want to know the future. People go to astrology. They read horoscopes. Wrong source. Those, those are false. Only God knows the future. Because he's not limited by time. He's not limited by experience. God can be in the past, present, and the future at the same time. And as we've talked about over the last couple weeks, life is short. Life is short. And we, had this, we talked about this on our mission trip. Life for the believer is a short-term mission trip. Once you become a Christian, you, all of a sudden you realize, boom, Man, I have a life that's to live for God's glory, sharing the good news of Jesus with everybody I can around me. My focus is now on God, and it's on eternity. And it's like a short-term mission trip. We went from January 2nd to January 9th and had a job to do. We had a mission to accomplish. We had things, people to see, things to do. 
so do you in your life. Here's the kicker. Here's the catch. We knew when that mission trip was going to be over. We knew we'd be back on January 9th. You don't know when this mission trip is going to be over. None of us know. It's, either going to, it's, it's sooner than you think. I guarantee you that. And either we're, our lives are going to expire and we're going to die and go be with the Lord or he's coming back. One of the two. So there is an expiration to this mission trip. We just don't know when. What should our response be? Be intentional about seeking him in all I do. I need to be intentional about seeking him in all that I do. Listen, some of us need to stop stop compartmentalizing our walk with God as uh, I follow Jesus, I go to work, I have a family, we do soccer, we do that. Stop compartmentalizing your life. Your whole life is founded on your new life in Jesus and everything is now an outflow of your life from Jesus. It's not part of your life. Jesus didn't come to be part of your life. He came to be your whole life. And you're going to be miserable until he gets every ounce of your life, until he gets your thoughts and you say, whatever it is, whether I eat, drink, I do it to the glory of God, I work as unto the Lord, I spend my money as unto the Lord, it all becomes that, an act of discipleship to him. Stop compartmentalizing your life. Stop sleepwalking. This is time for all of us to move forward. This trip was good for me. I needed to be on this trip to have my eyes open to how the real world lives and how most of the 90% of the world lives in extreme poverty. We saw there's a difference between poor and poverty. Poor in America means I don't have as much stuff as my neighbor. Poverty that we saw means they don't know where their food is coming from. They, don't, they live in trash. They live in you know, the worst conditions you can imagine. It's not time to go to sleep. It's time to wake up and move forward. You're not going to have that fulfilling life that you long for until we say yes to that. And you know, I'm intentional about everything that God has for me. Look what it says in Jeremiah. We love to quote this scripture on the beginning part of this scripture. But there's an end part. There is a, a catch to it. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. We love that part, right? Hallelujah, bring that on. Then you will call on me. I need to call on him. And come and pray to me. Seek him. I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Let's don't half-heartedly seek the Lord anymore. Let's wholeheartedly unto the Lord seek him with all we have. We're going to fail. We're going to blow it. We're going to have those days. There's going to be those temptations. But get up in the power of God and let's move forward together and be intentional to seek him and all that, that, that we do with our lives. I need to seek him daily. I need to seek the one who knows what tomorrow brings. I need to seek him for today. Um, about a month ago, Janelle and I went up to Steamboat Springs, and we were driving over Rabbit Ears Pass. And it was snowing, and there was a sand truck right in front of us. And so, I don't know if I should tell you this, Brian, or not. We were, we, we were driving, and, and I wanted to pass this sand truck. And it was curves, it's Rabbit Ears Pass, right? And so we were like 10 cars, there was 10 cars behind us that this sand truck was holding up. I'm like, man, I want to get around this sand truck. You, you peek, whoop, better get back. Whoop, peek, better get back. And I, the thought hit me as I was putting this together. If I would have had a greater perspective, 
if somebody would have been in a helicopter and I had a radio and they said, it's clear, go ahead, I would have gone. But instead, I didn't have that. And so one time, mm, I gunned it. There was a sand truck coming from the other side and our life flashed before our eyes, but we made it safe and God had a plan for us. So we're good. But um, we need to do that daily. We need to get God's perspective. We need to wake up in the morning and say, God, you already know what this day holds. Give me strength for the difficulties. Give me thankfulness for the blessings and wisdom for everything that I do. Last truth is this. God knows my fears and frustrations. He already knows them. Do you ever act as if God is unaware of what's going on in your life? Do you ever act like, God, do you know we have bills and we don't have any money in the bank? Do you know that? He's going, no. Wow, I had no idea. Sorry, I'll get right on that. Thanks for reminding me. Of course he knows. God, do you know how bad I hurt? Do you know the pain that I'm in? He does. He knows everything. Stress is created in our lives when we forget what God knows and what he has promised. And when we forget his character. When we forget that God already knows the beginning and the end. That God already knows what we're going through. And that God has what he has promised to do in our lives. We forget his character. The psalmist 139 says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 8, this isn't on your notes, but Matthew 6, 8, that, that God knows what we need before we even ask. That we can lay our needs before him. And when we lay our needs before him, we're not telling him something that he doesn't know. He already knows what we need before we even ask. Have you ever thought about then why pray? What's the point in, in praying if he already knows? Well, God wants us to ask out of trust. He wants us to ask out of relationship. He wants us to see him as our heavenly father. So what should we do to respond to this truth that he already knows your fears and frustrations? Be quick to cast my cares on him. I need to be quick to cast my cares on him. Cast all your cares upon him. Because he cares for you. It says in 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. And listen, I'm not trying to be the American who went overseas and saw a third world country and beat you up. But we don't know what it means to depend upon God. Like the people that, that the villages that we saw and they have nothing. We prayed for this lady. She lived in... A tin shed, 10 by 10. We brought her food. I still see her face. And she had 10 kids, a single mom. 10 kids. She knows how to depend. She's a believer. She knows how to depend upon Christ. I don't. I got three hots and a cot every day. You know, and some of us think to ourselves, you know, we, we worry about silly things. Listen, God wants to, he, the blessing of God is there. And, and we don't have to be embarrassed by the blessings that we have. As Brian said and prayed, we're just stewards over it. And we need to be, be, be generous and say, Lord, somebody is worse off than me. Whatever I'm going through or fearful for, somebody is a lot worse off than me. Put your cares in his hands today. 
If you have a financial problem, put it in his hands. Ask him for wisdom on what he wants you to do about that financial problem. But ultimately, God, you got this. God, I believe you got this. It's an act of worship and faith when you put your cares in the hands of God. Some of you have relationship problems. And you're trying to control things and manipulate and make people do things that maybe they don't want to do. And you're frustrated and it's causing anxiety all over you. Your marriage is frustrating or your kids are frustrating you. Put it in God's hand. God, you got this. God, I can't control another human being. Say that to him. God, I can't control another human being. You're God and I'm not. Sometimes it's good to just say, God, you're, you're God and I'm not. And so I'm depending upon you. So as we, as we bring this to, to kind of a conclusion this morning, I want to ask you a question. I started out saying that people have hang-ups with God and hang-ups with knowing God, hang-ups with getting personal with God. Maybe today you think your failures are too big and you're running from God. Listen, God already knows what you've done. Admit it to him in Trust Jesus and receive forgiveness. Maybe today you're, you're fearful of the future. And God has promised that, that no matter what happens in this life, that we have the promise of eternal life with him. And Jesus said in this life, you're going to have sorrow of many kinds. There's going to be tough times. It's just not reality to think because you follow Jesus that your life is going to be easy. Following Jesus makes life a little more difficult sometimes. But it's good. And it's worth it. Maybe you're anxious today wondering if, if, if he cares. Listen, if you're wondering today whether God cares for you today, I've got one place for you to go. I want you to look at that cross. You want to know whether God cares for you? He gave his son who had been in perfect relationship for all eternity. And the father and son came up with a plan to redeem you and I so that God could stay true to his character of holiness and justice and yet also be loving and merciful at the same time. Does God care for you? You're wondering? Look, look cross he cares for you deeply Jesus bore the cross for you he bore it for you he cares for you he cares for you deeply